You know, the, uh, the longer I live, the more I realize that the con that controversy that sometimes swirls in the church is, is not the best things to think about. There's always been controversy since the Garden of Eden. And the early church, if you read the book of Acts, was full of controversy, amazing controversy. And during Christ's life on earth, it was the same thing. But Jesus tried to point out that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but, my, but by me, so said our, our Savior. Please bow your heads with me just a moment. Our loving Lord, we're here this morning to worship you, to understand you more fully and in more depth. Lord, today, press our minds with your beauty, your love, your salvation. You know us each by name. Matthew tells us that the very hairs of our head are numbered, which is a metaphor trying to tell us you love us, you want to be with us, you want us to choose our names to be in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. In A.D. 12, just 12 years after the birth of Christ, this was the time that the 12-year-old boy first realized that he was the Lamb. Did he know it then? That day when he spoke in the temple with the theologians of the day, and they realized that he was somebody very, very special, did he know that he was the Lamb that was born to die? His mother had taught him to read the scriptures, especially from Psalms and Isaiah, the writings of Moses. He quoted those books many times when he was on earth. He knew all the descriptions of the lamb and the goat offerings of the children of Israel during the wilderness wanderings in Canaan. But how old was that boy when he first realized he was the lamb? Let us go to that carpenter shop this morning and try to stand beside the carpenter in his late teens and early twenties. By now he certainly knew his mission in life and his fate. He had read about himself in the books of Isaiah and the Psalms. The cross of Christ is an exhaustless theme. We could study it for a lifetime and never exhaust its meaning. A preacher could preach a thousand sermons on the cross and barely scratch the surface of its deepest meaning. And so he was born so that he could die on a cross outside of Jerusalem, being drug along an old Via Della Rosa to Calvary's Hill. All of us were represented there, whether you know it or not, the curious passerby. Are you that person? A hardened Roman soldier. Are you that person? Nicodemus the Pharisee. Are you that person? The other Pharisees who taunted him, come down from the cross, then we'll believe you. Satan was talking through them. Are you John, who was known as the son of thunder? Or are you Mary from Magdala, the woman of the night? Or would you be Jesus' mother in metaphor? Would you be the thief on the left? Or are you the thief on the right? We're all represented there. 
the curious passerby on the road leading out of Jerusalem. Today, this is the curious person who just takes a peek at the cross, but does not linger, does not linger for a gaze at salvation. The Roman soldiers who were there, most of them said, well, it's just another day at work, John, except for the one who, when he witnessed Jesus' words from the cross, proclaimed, truly, this was the Son of God. Today, this would be the converted agnostic. Nicodemus the Pharisee, he had been thinking those amazing words said to him at midnight months earlier, you must be born again. Remember Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, who when asked the question, why do you speak so much on that you must be born again? He simply said, because you must. Nicodemus now revealed he was born again by being there. And after Jesus' death, he risked his own life and reputation by asking for and receiving the body of our Lord. Today, this would be the person who has been converted from self-righteous religion to a religion of Jesus only. John, the son of thunder, who had this terrible temper, who once asked Jesus if they should bring down fire from heaven to burn up those Sadducees, would you be him? He was the only disciple brave enough to be at the foot of the cross when others had all fled in fear. Then there were those Pharisees taunting him to come down from the cross, saying, If you be the Son of God, come down and we will believe you. One day they will indeed see him coming in the clouds of heaven, according to Revelation 1.7. Those that had to do with the cross of Christ and putting Jesus to death will see him coming in the clouds of heaven. Then they will know that they've made a horrible, horrible mistake. Then we see Mary from Magdala, whose earthly life Jesus saved, who was there to be with him because she could not stand to be without him. In the process, her eternal life was guaranteed. Remember what Jesus said? That that this woman has done will be told about her till the end of time. Then we see Jesus' mother, probably weeping uncontrollably, then we see one thief beside him, born again to salvation. The other thief on the other side, at his death, went into everlasting darkness. Yes, we are all represented there at the foot of the cross. The curious passerby, just taking a look, but not interested in a relationship with Jesus. The two Pharisees, one born again, the other one spewing hate. The hardened soldier bursting forth with truly, this is the Son of God, the disciple who was not afraid to stand by his Lord when all the other disciples fled. Mary, oh precious Mary, a great sinner, but she knew she had a greater Savior. The two thieves, one guaranteed for eternal life, the other forever lost. So now we come to the crucifixion. Let us see it for what it really was. In the Roman Empire, crucifixion was reserved for the lowest of the low. Roman citizens were not even crucified, except for a deserting soldier. It was a penalty left for slaves and non-Romans. How did this former carpenter, traveling preacher, and teacher, who was also a Messiah, how did he run afoul of the law 
and become the most famous death in all of history. How did this former carpenter, traveling preacher, end up in this way? Jesus was certainly scourged before he went to the cross. The punishment was so severe that some prisoners died before they got to the cross. There was a long strap with nine pieces of metal, history tells us, attached at the end. The prisoner was beaten on the back, causing intense agony. After this, the prisoner was typically nailed through the wrists and the feet and situated on a cross so that the person had to sit on a sharp spike of wood for a seat. This unnatural position of the body caused intense agony with each movement. So hanging in the hot sun with raging thirst, every moment was pain beyond description. Usually it did not take long for a prisoner to die. This was your Savior and mine. What an astonishing way for a religion to start, founded on a cross. The amazing story of this cross has spawned more artist pictures, more books, and more sculpture, and more music than any other story in history. It was the empty cross and the resurrection of our Lord that separated old Judaism and the new Christianity. It spread in the Roman Empire after Jesus' birth in spite of all odds, and now to all countries and corners of this planet. The Romans regarded the cross with loathing. They knew the Christian religion could not work. After all, the leader was killed on a cross. This was the lowest of the low. The leader died. This was a Jewish offshoot, very unsavory to the Romans. The Jews were not popular at that time. The Jews mutilated their bodies with circumcision. A faith starting in Judea with a man from Nazareth, well, this just wasn't possible. The fact that the central figure of the religion had been put to death on the cross after some claimed he was king, well, that made it equally impossible. It was no less attractive to the Greeks, who were in their world the civilized ones who sought after wisdom and truth and beauty. Here came these followers of Jesus claiming that God was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, God was on that cross with his son. This couldn't be. God couldn't die. It was disgusting to the Greek to hear that the mangled, crucified Jew was the origin of this new religion. And as far as the Jews were concerned, it was the ultimate insult. The cross and the man who died there could not be the Messiah. They were expecting the Messiah to lead them out from under the Roman dominion. Furthermore, every good Jew knew that a man who hung on a cross was under the curse of God. So the Jew said, how could he be other than an imposter? He died on a tree. Among the Romans, the Greeks, and the Jews, to think of a man dying for his family or his friend, well, that was a possibility. But to die for one's enemy? That was impossible. But then the truth began to come out. The curse he bore was our curse, not his curse. This was proven by his resurrection from the dead. So the empty cross became a place of blessing instead of a place of horror. From his birth, his very name Jesus meant Yahweh saves. This truth began to spread like wildfire and eventually captured the entire Roman Empire. 
Many influential Greeks also became Christians. The crucifixion was so special because of who was on that cross. Christians have always believed that God the Father was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. As Paul noted in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Let us go through the Bible this morning and ask various Bible writers, just what is this cross about? What is this gospel, which is translated good news? David, just what is the cross about? What is the good news? For as the heavens is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far is as the east from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Psalms 103. David, is there anything else for us? Oh yes, David answers, mercy and truth are meant together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. This occurred only one time in history, and that was at the cross where Jesus died. Psalms 85. David, in answering, brings us to the cross. Isaiah, what do you have to say? What do you have to say about the cross and the good news? I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Isaiah 42. I am the Lord besides me. There is no Savior. Isaiah 43. There it is again. Isaiah brings us to the gospel. The Savior died on a tree and was res resurrected to go to the throne of God for us, where he resides at this very moment in the temple of heaven, ministering on our behalf, writing our names in the book of life, if we so choose. Let's ask Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what do you have to say about the cross and the good news? Quote, it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations 3. There it is again, the gospel, the good news. God turns down no sinner who comes to him and ask for forgiveness. His compassion and faithfulness is new every morning. Oh, wonder of wonders. Matthew, what do you know about the gospel, about the cross? You spent three years with Jesus, Matthew. What did Jesus say? Matthew answers, I remember so many things, but two stand out. Sitting on the mountainside, Jesus was talking to the people that day. I remember it well, he says. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. From Matthew 6. There it is, Matthew. There is the cross the righteousness of Jesus is the gospel. If we hunger for it and search for it with all our hearts, we will find it. 
if we seek for it, first above all things, all earthly things, salvation will be ours. Well, Mark, what do you say? Mark answers and recorded Jesus' words as follows, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. There it is, Mark. There's that cross in action. Dr. Luke, what do you have to say about the cross? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary, that would be Mary from Magdala, has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. How would you like to have a guarantee of salvation, a guarantee of the new earth? Mary was given that that day when Jesus said, it will not be taken from her. He also said, for where your heart is and your treasure, there will your heart be also. Luke 10 and 12. John, son of thunder, explosive disorder, John, what do you say? Remember, he called for fire to come down one day on the Samaritans and burn them up because they weren't treating Jesus right. Jesus said, John, take it easy. We have something to learn together. By the way, Many people have pondered over this words from Jesus in the scripture about where Jesus, it all keeps saying that, that um, John was a disciple Jesus loved. One day I learned from a very white-haired man who had studied this in great depth, a theologian, he said, listen, Dean, the Greek says the disciple who Jesus kept on loving kept on loving. So Jesus didn't single him out above the other disciples. He kept on loving the explosive temper fellow. John, what do you say? For that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he that believeth on the Son hath present tense. Does that give you some courage? Present tense. Hath eternal life, John 3. Paul, what do you say in Romans? What is the gospel? What is the cross? What is this salvation thing? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Any room for my good works? Any room for a thread of my human devising on the robe of righteousness Jesus gives me? Don't think so. As is, is written, the just shall live by faith. There it is, Paul. You've given us the gospel again, the good news. Let's ask the people at Corinth who Paul wrote to. What is the gospel? What have you learned from Paul, Corinthians? For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God but we preach Christ crucified there it is Paul says the gospel is the cross and the salvation by none other than through Jesus 1st Corinthians 1 <clears throat> let us ask the people at the church of Galatia Paul what did you write to them 
Paul answers, <clears throat> but God forbid, listen to these beautiful words, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Galatians 6. There it is again, the gospel is the cross. Well, Paul, what about the church at Ephesus? What do you have to say to them? Well, here's what I wrote to them. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift. A gift? The gift of God. Ephesians 1. There it is. Jesus' salvation is the gift. The gift. In our travels, we come to the church at Philippi. <clears throat> and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your minds and hearts through Jesus Christ. There it is again. The gospel peace in our hearts and minds. Jesus said it. My peace I give unto you. You mean, Jesus, in my world of turmoil, troubles on every hand, whether it's personal, family, church, state, federal, planet, you mean I can have peace? That's what Jesus said. My peace I give unto you. We come to the church at Colossae, where Paul tells the congregation about the gospel, what it accomplishes. If you're risen with Christ, seek these things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And set, are you ready? Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Galatians 3. The gospel drives us to seek Jesus. Timothy, what did Paul tell you about the gospel? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He has secured their names in the Lamb's book of life. Everyone that nameth the name of Christ is his. The Lord knows those that are his. Isn't that comforting? Paul said, Did you say in Hebrew, what did you say in Hebrews about the gospel? Well, Paul wrote this to the Hebrews How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. And he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man and woman. He gives us eternal life and takes our sins from us. I don't know what illustration to make on that. Perhaps it isn't even close, but maybe we could say, I have an old worn-out ball pen that's broken and no ink doesn't work, and Jesus gives me Cadillac or something. I don't know. Paul, you said it so simply. The gospel of Jesus dying for the world of sinners so they might inherit the eternal kingdom. John, what do you say? You wrote the last book in the Bible. What do you say to us in earth's last hour? And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every kindred and tongue and people. Revelation 16. My friends, the gospel is serious. 
Oh, so serious business for the inhabitants of earth. It is a life or death situation, eternity or outer darkness. Once we accept the gospel, fear and quaking are gone. We only have peace and happiness. As David said, great peace have they which love thy law. Psalms 119. We obtain the peace by understanding and accepting the gospel. John, do you have anything more to say to us? Well, yes, I do. Here it is. I counsel to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich with white raiment, that thou may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. These are Jesus' words, my friend that we have the gold of the gospel rich in heaven's treasures, that we have white raiment of Christ's righteousness, that we have the eyesav of the Holy Spirit, so that we can see Jesus. And they shall see his face. Oh, what beautiful words. The redeemed will see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. A metaphor that our minds are fully engrossed in the cross of Christ and the salvation that he's given us, and the cross. You know, recently somebody pointed out to me that there's a verse in Revelation that talks about the white robe that Jesus wears. And the Bible clearly says in Revelation, there's a red spot on that robe, signifying the fact for all eternity it will be there that he died for us. We have the gold of the gospel's rich in heaven's treasures, that we have white raiment of Christ's righteousness, that we have the eyes of the Holy Spirit so that we can see the gospel. And they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. We today are at that cross with those two men known as thieves. We are either with the one on the left who was cursing God or the one on the right who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, yes, I promise you eternal salvation. For you see, once you have been confronted with the gospel and the cross, you can never be the same again. Once you have seen the gospel of Jesus, there is no fence sitting. Jesus said, either you are for me or you are against me. The scriptures were written over 1,500 years by men, most of whom did not even know each other. Yet we find harmony of the gospel story from beginning to the end. John, you had the privilege of writing the last book of the Bible. John, Jesus was speaking to us through you. You were the pen, John. Jesus was the author of the book. After all the 66 books of the Bible, after all the thousands of thoughts, and words. What was the final thought Jesus gave to us? What was it, John? Well, here it is. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Grace? Even when I've sinned? Yes. Even when you've sinned. There it is again, the gospel of Jesus. Grace, mercy, goodness, and peace. He offers his grace to every one of us. Centuries ago, 
a great Christian wrote these words. Man's maker, this was back in the 16th century. Man's maker was made man that the Lord of the stars, you'll notice a series of titles to Jesus our Savior. Man's maker was made man that the Lord of the stars might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might be hungry, that the fountain would thirst, that the light would sleep, that the way be tired from the journey, that the truth might be accused by false witnesses, that the teacher might be bitten, beaten with whips, that the vine would be crowned with thorns, that the foundation be hung on a tree, that the strength might be made weak and beaten, that he who heals might be wounded, oh so terribly wounded, that life might die. Jesus did die, but he rose again on resurrection morning, and he conquered death so that we can, every one of us, have the assurance of salvation and have it right now. I close with two verses from Scripture. Hebrews 12 onward, one and onward. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Can you imagine these words? Jesus endured the cross, yet he was thinking joy because he, because he could save sinners, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, there to minister for you and I, and to write your name and my name in the book of life if we would just choose for him to do so. Thank you. Oh, Father in heaven, we're thankful we can open your Bible this morning, learn of the glorious salvation you offer us. Oh, Lord, as we walk this earth's pathway, with all the troubles we face and we go through, may we always and forever set our eyes on you in your face, and that you died for us on that cross on Calvary's hill. Help us to this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.